Rise and Shine Bitches, welcome back to another episode of Just a Quick Pinch. I'm your host, Connie Wang. I am super excited today for you guys to hear the main episode. I have a guest with us. Uh, her name is Alexa Eisenberg. She's a registered dietitian that actually specializes in healthcare professionals. I also think it's kind of ironic because like we are all like healthcare providers and we're supposed to be teaching other people how to be healthy, but then we also don't treat ourselves in the best ways that are healthy. So that is the goal for today, to teach us all how to be healthy. But first things first, we got our hot girl huddle. So hit it, editing Connie. Alrighty, you guys. First things first, we got our tarot cards of the week. Let's hope it's a good one, you guys. Let me give it a shuffle shuffle. Alrighty, you guys. So I'm thinking of trying to make our tarot card of the week, like the readings, a little bit quicker. So I'm just going to do the words of the week. So the card of the week is the Eight of Swords Upright. So our words of the week, you guys, are... <laughs> I don't like this. Negative thoughts, self-imposed restriction, imprisonment, and victim mentality. Okay, wait, let me like read this a little deeper so that I can give us some hope. Do you guys like how I just changed the rules around here depending on like if it's happy or not? <laughs> okay, this is kind of helpful. It says, when the Eight of Swords appears in a tarot reading, it comes as a warning that your thoughts and beliefs are no longer serving you. So as you change your thoughts, you change your reality. Replace negative thoughts with positive ones and you will start to create a more favorable situation for yourself. It assures you, ooh, okay, the Eight of Swords assures you that there is a way out of your current predicament. You just need a new perspective. Alrighty, you guys. Okay, I know I said I was just giving you guys the, the words of the week, but I just felt like that was so negative that we needed like an explanation. So if you guys are in a negative headspace, really try to change that and find some new perspective because like this said, the Eight of Swords assures you that there is a way out of your current predicament. Anyways, that is all we have this week for the Tarot Card of the Week. Now on to my eyes and nose, my ins and outs of the week. Alrighty, you guys. So my eyes and nose, my ins and outs of the week this week, they're kind of tied closely together. So my in is this actually this new beauty product I've been loving um, and getting a lot of compliments on. It's the Isle of Paradise High Glow Self Tan Serum. Um, I need to put you guys on this because so many people have been commenting recently on like how tan I look and I think it's actually the best self tanner I've ever used. One, because I can actually use it on my face. Um, so I didn't realize they have a body one and a face one. I didn't realize until today when I like looked it up to record this, but I'm pretty sure they're the same formulation because I haven't noticed a difference. It hasn't made me break out or anything like that. So if you can only find the body one, maybe like you can still probably use it on your face because that's what I do. I love it because... One, it's really cool. It's kind of like a tanning product, but mixed into like a good for you, healthy skin serum. There's like hyaluronic acid or something in it. Um, it doesn't smell gross like fake tanner usually does. It smells really, really pretty. Kind of like if light blue could have a scent. I don't know if you guys are going to like catch my drift, but I just feel like the the serum smells the way that light blue feels like as a color um it just smells like really pleasant nice like clean fresh face wash and it goes on super smooth since it's like a very hydrating serum i don't have any streaks or anything like that on my face i just give it a couple pumps and just rub it all over into my skin it's so easy like i just do it before bed right before i put on my eyelash serum and it's just like such a good way to just keep up with this like natural color and that's like why I like it too. It doesn't make you look orange. You just look kind of like you just got some co some color in the sun, like a nice bronze glow. Um, and best of all, it's normally like $35, but I actually got it at TJ Maxx for only like $12 or $14. So definitely pick that up if you guys are looking for any sort of self-tanner, especially with like the warmer months coming up. But my out of the week then is, so I got that tanning serum. And then I also got the same lines tanning butter, which I didn't include for my end of the week because... Um, I really like the high glow serum that I just told you about. The body butter is actually like, it smells kind of more self-tannery, which is like, that's an immediate like, not as much of an in for me. I don't know, maybe like some people like that. I personally do not like the smell of self-tanner. Um, and then also the texture, since it's a body butter rather than a serum, it's like very easy to get streaky. So that's like the problem. But anyways, that's not the out of the week. The out of the week, even though it is a inferior product to the serum, the out of the week is just, I have a question for you guys. And I know that normally I'm not supposed to ask you guys the questions, but how does anyone tan their hands? Because that is my out of the week is that since I've been using the self tanner, um, the tan goes all the way up until my wrists. And then the problem is that the instructions told me not to tan my hands because like, well, I, I did it anyways it gets stuck around like your knuckle area so then your knuckles look super concentrated and orange and like kind of gross um and like my hands got all streaky so my out of the week is having streaky self-tanner hands i don't really know a how to get rid of these self-tanner hands or b how to apply self-tanner 
like naturally to the hands so that it doesn't accumulate all in your knuckles and hand wrinkles because I would like to have hands that match my wrists. Um, that would, I, I didn't think that'd be so much to ask for, but apparently, yeah, I have not mastered that skill yet. So yeah, that is my out of the week is my hands look super like pale and streaky and kind of weird and orange around the knuckles. So I do have a tanning glove and I tried using that to apply everything, but like it still didn't really help around the knuckles. So maybe if you guys have a recommendation, maybe I have to mix my tanning stuff with moisturizer so that it's less concentrated on the hands because I don't know something's got to give with that and yeah anyways that is my ins and outs of the week now on to spit talk our last segment of hot girl huddle Alrighty, you guys so for spit talk this week the name of the game is your girl is on a mission to clear her roster i have so many patients still in my roster i've really been slacking on clearing them off and we have to do that in order to graduate um and so yeah i've been kind of stressed with that recently honestly like this morning i just woke up and started taking care of like little admin tasks and stuff like that but it also like made me remember like even when you don't think you'll be stressed, you will always find a reason to stress. And that is just like who I am and that's something that I need to work on. Also, I don't know if this is like a taboo thing to talk about or if people talk about this or if I'm supposed to talk about this on the podcast, but one interesting thing about the job hunt is having to say like no to people and like doing it in a very respectful professional way. Maybe I should do an episode all about that because it's funny when you're looking for jobs, it honestly feels a lot like dating because you're trying to see like who would be compatible and like on paper sometimes the right things don't always feel right like in real life. Um, So just as you would imagine, then ending things kind of feels like a breakup too because you kind of want to be like very professional and nice about it and like for whatever reason like you all have to do what's best for you and I think a lot of times what's best for you is what's best for the other person but still there's definitely like a thought process to go around it you can't just like shoot them a text and be like hey yeah sorry like this isn't working out or you can't just like ghost people either so like I should do an episode about this, like professionally, I guess, breaking up with people. (laughs) But yeah, that is just kind of what I'm going through. Um, I'm just like waiting to hear back from contracts. I'm kind of like negotiating things. I'm um, kind of like, uh, I guess, respectfully breaking up with certain things. And yeah, that is just an interesting part of the experience. I can't wait to like once I have a job, kind of like detail my thoughts and everything about it. I'll do an episode all about the job hunt process. Anyways... I am so excited. Like I said, you guys, today for the main episode, we have Alexa, a registered dietitian. So now, without further ado, on to the main episode. Editing Connie, wait, one last thing. I want to do a quick shout out to Alexa because she was such a trooper. We had a lot of like lag and technical difficulties with the Wi-Fi since she was actually recording from Japan. <laughs> so like literally there would be like a five second lag after everything. So I just want to say she was such a trooper while recording. And yeah, I'm still happy with how this turned out. So anyways, now onto the main episode. Alrighty, you guys, I am so excited. I have Alexa here. She is our dietitian that is going to be answering a lot of our questions for today. So, Alexa, I thought it'd be fun if we started off with a couple of rapid fire questions, if that's okay with you. Yes, absolutely. I'm so excited to be here and teach you guys, um, teach your audience a little bit more about nutrition and health. And um, I'm happy to answer any rapid questions right away. Awesome. Okay, so for my first question, what is the number one snack in your fridge or your pantry for just life on the go? I think my favorite, it varies and it switches up. But I think right now is probably like a Greek yogurt parfait. So just taking like a Greek yogurt cup, combining like banana, I really love banana in there, and then like a few chocolate chips. It's so easy for on the go. Um, and it's just like my favorite like sweet snack right now. Ooh, that sounds really good. So Alexa is actually in Japan right now, which we will get into. But Alexa, have you found is the Greek yogurt like similar? or Is it different over there? It's hard because I have to use Google Translate to figure out like the like the macros, the carbs, <laughs> the proteins and the fats and just see like, what is actually in this product. Um, but they have Oiko's brand over here. So I've been using that. And then we live on a military base as well. So they have all like, you know, foods that you would get in the United States as far as like anything but yogurt for sure. So sometimes we shop there as well. But I have found a really good Oiko's that I like from Japan. Recently, I've been on like a Fodge, Fodge, Fodge kick. Fodge, yeah. <laughs> So question number two, what is your, what are your like two favorite secret ingredients that you like to incorporate when you're cooking or Mm -hmm. anything like that to make something healthier? I don't know if this necessarily makes it healthier, but it adds more flavor. So if you guys are Trader Joe's shoppers, I highly recommend the 21 seasoning salute from Trader Joe's. It's just a combination of like different spices. 
um, that they just make and it's like the perfect, perfect combination. So I put that on like almost everything. Um, it just adds really good flavor. So instead of like feeling like your meals have to be boring, even if you have chicken, broccoli and rice, you can really spice it up by having something um, like the, um, the Trader Joe's seasoning or any spices for that matter. But spices are a big one. Oh, yeah. I really like the Trader Joe's. Um, they have like a shroomami one. Have you tried that? Yes, I have seen I have seen that one. I haven't tried it, though. It looks really good. But of course, we're over here. So we don't have Trader Joe's over here, which is so sad. The second one is uh, kimchi. So kimchi is really big in Korea, but they have a lot of kimchi here in Japan as well. Um, and so it's just really good for gut health. It's a great fermented food. And so we really try to add that in almost in, I mean, my fiance uses it in like every single dish, but I don't do it quite as often, but I try <laughs> to incorporate that um, secret ingredient into my meals as well. Oh my gosh, I love that. I actually really want to try making my own kimchi because I've stumbled upon all these videos on like Instagram and stuff of people making their own and I want to give it a try. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have not tried it myself. I feel a little intimidated, but I think I think I could do it. It's not that difficult. It just takes time um, for the food to ferment. So yeah, time and also equipment. Because when I watch these people make it, they have like giant tubs of everything. They have like the clear gloves that they put on and all that stuff. <laughs> and then my last rapid fire question is what are three words that you like to use to describe your favorite kinds of foods or dishes? Yeah, um, I think dishes like that I make at home really are simple. So people feel a lot of people think like you have to get really complicated with your meals in order for them to like be healthy and hit your goals. But really like simplicity is key. How can you make foods like very quick in a short period of time that still tastes good? And that's my second one is nutritious foods um, that are going to be tasty as well. And then my third is balance. So I really make my meals, I'm really big on like having a carb, having a protein and having a vegetable at every meal. Um, and so I really pride on like having that balanced meal, um, for all my meals, but especially like, you know, lunch and dinner for sure. It's awesome. I love how all mm -hmm. of your words kind of like geared towards a lifestyle that's very sustainable mm -hmm. because I feel like to segue into like the first topic I want to discuss is just that I, a lot of what I've seen from your posts and like what I've experienced myself is we have this very like perfectionist, like all or nothing kind of view of how we have to live our life and eat our food. And so my first question for you is how do you really help clients like us implement like little habits that can change this like all or nothing, like toxic mentality that we can have with our diet? Mm -hmm. Yeah, all or nothing mentality can be really tough because I think either we're thinking like, okay, we're on our diet or we're off our diet. Here are the good foods. Here are the bad foods. Um, and it's really not a way to live because we want to be able to find that balance and find something that's going to be sustainable. We know that like, those short-term quick things are typically not going to work for us. And if we cut certain foods out, then when we get our hands on those foods that are supposed to be off limits, we feel guilt, we feel shame, we feel just really bad about ourselves. So it's really, um, as, as um, it's easier said than done, but making sure we're finding that balance and allowing any and all foods into our diet um, I don't think making really strict rules around food, like only allowing French fries on Saturdays or only having a cookie on the week, like on the weekends is typically when people kind of like, you know, go off their plan. Um, but really, like if you're craving a cookie or craving something during the week, like having that, because then you're going to be able to find that balance throughout every single day as opposed to only allowing those foods certain days. Um, and one thing I really love to tell myself when I'm consuming something that is like cookies or something, because I used to be in that all or nothing mentality too. Um, and I would like binge on certain foods like Oreos because I never allow those in my diet. And so um, telling myself as I'm eating these Oreos, okay, I can have these Oreos again. I don't need to like finish the whole box because I'm, you know, these are bad for me. I'm not supposed to be eating them saying, okay, I can have this food again. I can have it in an hour. I can have it tomorrow. Um, and a big example I like to use is chips and salsa where like if you're at a Mexican restaurant, like. It's like, oh, I feel like I have to eat all of these because they're so good, but they're also so bad for me. But it's like, okay, like I'll have some and enjoy them, but then I can have them again. I'm not cutting them out. So I think that's a big thing is just like, you know, finding that balance within your days every day, as opposed to having these strict food rules. Um, and it's, it's a work in progress, but something that definitely can be accomplished. That actually kind of segues into something that I really enjoyed hearing 
post about, which was lame goals, which I thought was like so funny. Can you explain to the audience like what lame goals are and like why those are your keys to success? Yes, absolutely. So I think I actually found lame goals from Mel Robbins. I was listening to one of her podcasts and she's like, if your goals are lame, you're doing it right. Um, But I see a lot of people trying to set these like really elaborate, extensive, like very difficult to reach type of goals. Like you aren't exercising at all. And now you're trying to exercise every single day for an hour every day, or you are currently, you know, eating fried foods a few times a week, and now you're cutting them out completely. So not getting in again, in that all or nothing mentality, but focusing on like, okay, how can I add more water in my day? And even though it sounds lame to be like, I'm going to get 64 ounces of water in today, but it's actually a goal that's going to be realistic. It's going to be achievable. It's going to be sustainable, but it's still a little, it's still a stretch. It's still a little challenging, but I like to call them lame because it's like drinking my water sounds so lame, but it's actually something that you can be consistent with Um, or balancing your meals for a few meals, like in a day, you know, having your carbs, your proteins and your vegetables at, at your meals. So that's what I mean by lame goals is like, they don't sound super cool, but they're what is going to be sustainable long term. Yeah, it's funny, because I feel like when you look at us, like high achieving, like perfectionist providers, you know, and whatnot, it's kind of like, it makes sense why like we are so against lame goals, because like, oh, that's not like gratifying to feel like I'm not doing something Mm -hmm. like crazy awesome, or like pushing myself to the limit. I find it interesting that we are trained to you know help save lives literally or like change people's lives with like what our specific niches and yet we have so many misconceptions because we're not really taught in dental school med school pharmacy school all this Mm -hmm. stuff we're not really taught about like true wellness and healthy eating what is a misconception Mm -hmm. that you find with healthy eating that like us healthcare providers seem to be lacking on feeling like you have to do um whatever like sometimes whenever you see on the internet like maybe somebody lost a lot of weight and this is how they're doing their program feeling like you have to do the same thing as somebody else i think can be um like a very you know it's like something that sounds like intriguing but at the same time even if you ate the same thing as somebody else and even if you exercise the same you will still not look the same um so i think it's finding that individualized approach that um that is something that's really, really important to do. And where like a dietitian or somebody like that can really help you with that. Um, I think also a a huge misconception is that um, we have to cut like carbs out in order to reach our goals. So that's a huge misconception is like people think like, oh, I have to cut carbs out to hit my goals. But actually, um, it's not the carbs in themselves that are causing like the weight gain or the inability for us to lose weight or hit our goals. It's really um, a lot of times we eat too much of carbs because they taste so good. So it's finding that balance again, um, finding the individualized approach that works for you um, and allowing, you know, all foods in, in an appropriate manner. I think a lot of people feel like you, they have to be miserable in order to see results and reach their health goals. And that's really not the case. Um, it should be, you know, something that is going to be sustainable long-term. This kind of ties into, to how a lot of us, when we're like at work or at school, a lot of us actually like don't eat during the day or we don't fuel ourselves in healthy ways. So then when we come home, we end up binging. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it is like in our head, we're like, well, I didn't eat all day so I can eat whatever I want now. Or it's just like, oh, I didn't have time to eat all day. Now I do have the time. And we end up you know, doing that. What is something that you can recommend for people that have this habit of like not eating all day and then binging the second that they get Mm -hmm. home? So I think it's, it's twofold. So I see a lot of times people, especially in the healthcare field, get home from work and they are really stressed about their day. Maybe they had a high patient load or stressful patients. And that is more emotionally driven that they're like raiding the pantry or running to the fridge to grab something. But I think typically too with this population it is the fact that you are physically hungry so usually we eat for we eat for a few reasons but like in in two categories there's the physical hunger there's the emotional hunger 
Um, the physical hunger is something that we can really control if we have more snacks maybe throughout the day. So I find when I work with healthcare professionals, it's not like, you know, maybe they don't get a lunch sometimes, or maybe they have to eat in 10 minutes. Um, so maybe it's like more little snacks throughout the day, something that's higher protein, good carbs. Um, I like to talk about two component snacks. So having two different components where you have like maybe a, a, a fruit or a vegetable and a fat source or a fruit and a vegetable and a carb or a protein and a carb or a fat and a protein, you know, two different um, combinations. So like an apple and peanut butter is a great example, yogurt and berries, um, pretzels and string cheese. So always thinking about something and something to eat together and just having more snacks throughout the day. And if that's even not possible, having something on the drive on the way home is going to be key. Um, I really love like just having like protein bars, you know, in my car and just having those on the way home. This is before I worked, you know, now I work from home, but when I was at um, like in my, my um, clinical or when I was working in corporate, just having something in your car to get you, you know, home without feeling like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to get home. I'm so hungry. Because then I find too, people sometimes will just go through the drive-through like fast food or get takeout because they're like, oh my gosh, I'm starving. I have to eat right now. So having something to fill your stomach so it's not that like crazy hunger um, and I like talking about like the a pendulum, like if you think of a pendulum swing and you're all the way over to one side, meaning like you get to the point where you're so hungry, you're going to swing to the other side where you get to the point where you're so full. And we want to kind of find that balance of like, okay, I'm hungry. I can't, you know, I'm, I'm ready to eat and then get to a point where we're satisfied and, and not overly stuffed. So I think that that physical hunger piece is really something we can control with making sure that we're eating more throughout the day and easy snacks throughout the day is going to be key. You actually said something that reminded me of like something that I face a lot is I have a hard time of like <coughs> when I get home and I'm finally eating, I have a hard time of like noticing when I'm full. I don't know if it's because I don't have like enough of that hormone that's supposed to like tell me when I'm like done or whatever, mm -hmm. but I always always feel like when I'm done eating my meal I'm always like oh I oh I I want to like push it and like eat a little bit more and then after I'm like why did I push it if I had just given it time and let it like sink mm -hmm. in that I'm full then I would have been full. Yeah. so like what do you recommend yeah. for people with that so it does take 20 minutes for our stomachs to realize that we are full and so if we're eating past our fullness it makes sense that it takes you some time and then you're like oh my gosh now I'm super full um, so getting to a point where you're satisfied. And one thing I really like to use, this is kind of like um, more of an intuitive eating type of concept, but it's called the hunger and satiety scale, hunger and fullness scale. Um, there's, you know, you can just like Google it and there's a bunch of different scales out there, um, but it is adapted from like some of these intuitive eating concepts. And I have a reel on this on my Instagram um, that I kind of explain it, but it's really making sure like as you're eating, you're getting to a point where you're like on the scale, like a seven, like you really assessing at like throughout the meal at every bite, like, okay, now I'm a six, now I'm a seven. And, and you don't want to get to like a 10 too often. Tens like you're totally stuffed. Um, so using the hunger and fullness scale as you're eating to kind of assess. And then I think the same rules apply, like that I had said earlier, you can always go back for more, but allowing yourself to just feel that satisfaction, setting your fork down, pushing your plate away and saying, okay, I'm going to just take some time and see how I feel you know, nine times out of 10, you won't need to go back for more because your body's like, okay, I've had enough. Like I've, you know, the food settled in, it's being digested, it's being absorbed. And now I, I feel it. Um, so telling yourself, yeah, I can have it again. I can, I can go back for seconds in an hour if I really want, but um, just as much as you should honor your hunger and eat when you're hungry, you should honor your fullness and, and stop eating when you're full. That definitely makes sense. It's kind of like being more intentional with like, how you're eating and kind of not using it as like, like you said, like a way to cope or escape or deal with how you felt from like a stressful day. Um, mm -hmm. When I was younger, I feel like too, like maybe, I don't know if it's like culturally or like as kids, you know, we're always told like, you got to finish your food, finish your veggies. And I feel like maybe some of that has like kind of mm -hmm. seeped into my life where I feel like I have to finish things, even if I'm like not fully that hungry how do you manage that kind of because mm -hmm. it's so deep rooted oh yeah absolutely um and I always ask my clients like were you part of the clean plate club where you feel like you have to like totally finish your plate um and yes I mean a lot of things that we do now in adulthood are, are from our childhood 
So I think what it is, is just kind of like rewiring our brain and really getting in touch with our body as much as we can. Um, and really, I, I love using the hunger and fullness scale as a way, but just, I'm, I love using this concept too, where it's like, if you are either you're, you're leaving wasted food on your plate or you're leaving, you're eating wasted food and it's wasted in your body because you're giving your body more than what it needs. Right. Um, and I have a lot of that when we're like out to dinner or when my clients are out to dinner, they're like, I feel bad wasting my food. And I'm like, if you have the opportunity, take it home, you know, take home leftovers. But before that, maybe you're splitting your meal with like your significant other. Um, and if you want more food, you can always order more, but starting off like with a smaller plate and seeing how that goes. And then you can always get more food if you need. Um, but always being able, you know, if you can take home leftovers and enjoy those, if you can, so the food isn't wasted. Um, but really just understanding that, like, you know, if you're eating past your fullness, you're just giving your body like more than what it actually needs. So just kind of like, you know, listening to your body as you're eating and stopping at a place where you feel satisfied and not overly full. Do you ever have, this is a problem that I kind of have. I'm like, as I'm talking, I'm like, I have a lot of these problems. Um, but <laughs> do you ever find that when clients take home food from like a restaurant, I always, the second I put it in my fridge, that's kind of like all I'm thinking about while I'm home. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to have this later. And then I'm like, okay, let me just have it because I like can't stop thinking about it. I definitely have that. And I've, I mean, I think it's like, if you're really craving it, asking yourself, I think going through like, are, is it physical hunger or is it more emotion? I think it might be more of emotion if you had just had that food. Um, but we eat, you know, because food is delicious. It tastes good, not just to fuel our bodies. But I think asking yourself, okay, is this, is this food something that I, is going to fuel me right now? Is, or is it more just like, it really sounds good and I want it. And maybe like you have something like an apple or a snack to see if that satisfies any like maybe types of cravings that are coming up. And then having that food, you know, deciding I'm going to have it for dinner if you had it for lunch or you're going to have it tomorrow. Um, and if you're still really craving it, maybe you take like a small portion of that leftover out and enjoy that and see if that satisfies. Um, because then it's kind of like, you know, you might be doubling up or it could just be physical hunger that you're actually still hungry and you didn't have enough at that dinner. So some ways to, to see if you're actually physically hungry would be like, some brain fog or low energy, stomachs growling, you're hangry, like irritable. That's a thing for sure. We all have been there. Um, if none of those seem to apply, then it's probably more just like a craving or some emotion. So maybe trying to have something that's a little bit more nutritious first and see if that helps. And if it doesn't, then maybe taking a small portion of that leftover. Got it. Okay, that's actually such a good tip because I didn't really think about it, but it totally makes sense about how like you would have physical hunger versus like an emotional hunger. And I'm glad that you included like ways to actually tell the difference between the two because I feel like the line does get kind of hairy sometimes. Um, it does. Do you find that when working with us that there's like a certain food group or nutrient or something that like we very commonly miss out on in the typical American diet? I think there's a few now. Um, I think a big one is protein. So I find that a lot of people aren't getting enough protein. However, it's so individualized depending on what your goals are. So if you are looking to change body composition, um, lose weight or lose fat mass, increase muscle or maintain muscle um, or weight loss, it could be really helpful to make sure you're getting enough protein. And I think when we think of like snacks, snacky foods, we think of crackers and chips and uh, pretzels, like more of like crunchy snacky foods. But then I also see in the healthcare field where people are kind of cutting carbs a little bit, maybe because they've read a lot that like carbs are bad for us, we shouldn't be eating them. But I think especially with how demanding a lot of our jobs are, and that fact that like our brains need to be on, um, our brain really relies on carbohydrates. And if we're not getting enough of them, we're not able to work at our full potential. Um, both mentally and physically. So carbohydrates sometimes are a thing that I see as well. But I think more so it's that people like are not eating breakfast and then like the day gets away and like they're they're eating their first meal or for first thing to eat at 2 p.m. So I think it might be just um, more of a balanced, you know, meals and snacks throughout the day if they can. But I see a lot of like um, just lower carb because that, that's the healthy thing to do, which always isn't the case, especially for 
for healthcare professionals um, who need that brain power and need that, you know, physical endurance to, you know, run across the hospital or whatever they're doing. So that actually makes me feel a lot better because I'm like, yeah, I do need brain fuel for like when I'm doing that filling. Like, why am I mm-hmm. like acting like I don't need that fuel? I didn't even think about it like that at all. What is the general like current perception of intermittent fasting amongst like most dietitians or like what is the attitude that we see towards mm-hmm. it nowadays? At least for me and from what the research shows, you know, it, it is, there's some like benefit to it at a cellular level. Like there is some truth to that. And there is research coming out that there is some benefit to um, kind of like cellular turnover in a, in a healthful way. That's like a, a good thing. But at the same time, um, for weight loss purposes, there's no magic to it. It's really just that you're eating in a smaller window, which gives you less opportunity throughout the day to have your calories. So there's really not any magic to it. And I do find it depends on the person. People like, you know, a lot of healthcare professionals who are maybe working long hours, starting their shift, you know, 6, 7 a.m. sometimes or earlier um, and wonky hours, like it can be really difficult because then it's like, oh, my eating window is not till noon, but I'm starting work and I'm hungry. And, and then that's when like, you know, the irritability and the brain fog and the low energy can come. So there's no right or wrong with it. But I think it depends, like really asking yourself, what are your goals and what are you like, you know, looking to accomplish and does it fit within your lifestyle? When you mention like, you know, people that work these long hours or like have like weird off hours too, like working night shifts and things like that. Sometimes even just the thought of like grocery shopping is a lot. Do you have any advice for how to either simplify or make like grocery shopping more efficient for us? So first suggestion is to make a list. Always make a list because and with that, don't go to the grocery store hungry because then you'll find foods that sound good, but like you could, might just be because you're hungry. My big tip is also like, because everybody is so busy is um, trying to figure out what you're eating for the whole week. So including your meals, including your snacks, including, you know, like sparkling water, or whatever drinks you have, like making sure you have it. Because I find if you have to run to the grocery store for like ketchup and like that takes so much time to drive the grocery store, get the ketchup, drive home. Um, that's like, you know, at least 30 minutes out of your day when you could have just had that all, you know, at the beginning. So making sure like all the condiments, all the spices, anything you need is ready to go at the beginning of the week. And some people, a lot of my clients will do like uh, the delivery groceries that really work well for them too. Um, I personally love grocery shopping. It's like one of my favorite things to do. So I want to go myself, but if you don't have the time, absolutely. And then to just simplify your list, because I think a lot of people are like, I don't know what to make this week. Like, what am I like? I can find some recipes, but then it just gets overwhelming and complicated. So a good rule of thumb is to write down a few different proteins you're going to eat for the week. So that could be like chicken, steak, fish, It could be beans, tofu, lentils, doesn't have to be animal proteins, obviously. Um, A few different carbs, (laughs) so like um, rice, potato, and quinoa. And then a few different vegetables and fruits, like, you know, apples, oranges, and then broccoli, cauliflower, and red bell pepper. And then, so you have those, and you can mix and match and be like, today I'm having, you know, the chicken, rice, and the broccoli. That's like the most boring meal, but you get my my drift. And the next day you have the salmon, the rice and the peppers. Um, So you're kind of mixing and matching. And that's a really easy way to do it, especially for people who are super busy, where maybe you're prepping things like on your off day. So you have like a big batch of rice ready to go for the week, you have um, some potatoes already cooked, or like you could buy frozen potatoes, which are easy, Um, you could just throw them in the air fryer or something. And then you already cut up your veggies or even like maybe cooked your veggies. Um, and I think another another thing to just not get bored is to make sure you're switching up the the vegetables where it's like you have a side salad today. Next day you have like carrots and dip. Next day you have cooked broccoli. Next day you have like um, air fried peppers. So really switching up the, the method of cooking, which can make it not as boring as well. Um, you can always buy frozen vegetables. You can always buy canned as long as it's like um, typically like not with any other like, you know, cheese sauce or anything like that um, is going to lower the just the overall nutrient value, not the nutrient value of the vegetable, but just adding like some things that are not as 
as helpful. What is a good recommendation for someone that like they want to, you know, make like chicken <coughs> one day, make salmon the next day, and like they don't really enjoy like the seasonings that they have at home? Do you have any like go to like sauce brands that you like or go to like mm-hmm. easy sauces to make that can kind of like dress up something that would otherwise be like a really plain meal? Oh yeah, absolutely. This is like my my jam. I love making the same <laughs> in, using the same ingredients but then switching up the sauces. So I like to use the example of like a, a stir fry or like an Asian inspired dish where you're using like teriyaki sauce or um, soy sauce, some of those types of like Asian inspired sauces. And then the next day, maybe you have the exact same meal, but you're doing it more like like um, Mexican inspired where you have like salsa, um, you have maybe avocado, um, like uh, hot sauce, like some of those. Um, where it's like a totally different, it totally changes the meal. Like, you know, it's like a burrito bowl and then the next day is like a stir fry, but it's the exact same foods. So I love, I love teriyaki. I love salsa. Um, I love using hot sauce to an extent. I'm not a huge spice person, but, um, and then just switching up your seasonings can be great too. Like I talked about like the Trader Joe's one, um, Penzi's spices are awesome. I, I have one there that I actually can't remember the name, but I just love putting it on like my eggs. So good. Um, that can really just add really good flavor. So you're not getting bored from like, you know, eating some of the same things every week. This is actually a perfect segue actually into kind of like, let's pretend now you and I are in the grocery store (laughs) and we're looking at some products. Um, and so, this is kind of like a game. Like, I just want you to let me know like what I should look for or what I should avoid on the label. So the okay. first thing is, um, let's pretend like we're looking for a good salsa or like a sauce to like dress up something. What is something we should mm-hmm. look for and or like something we should avoid? Just in a, a general rule of thumb, I love to think about what can we add to whether it's our meal, whether it's what to look for at a label, rather than feel like we have to take away. So if like you're at the grocery store and you have... Um, like a, you're looking at a barbecue sauce, I'm trying to think of like one of those really common barbecue sauces out there, but it's packed with sugar, um, totally packed. And I can't think of the name of it, but it's also like, okay, if it sounds good to you, if it's your favorite barbecue sauce, it's okay to, to buy it. It's okay to purchase and, and have it, but doing so in an appropriate way where it's not like you're completely dousing your food in the barbecue sauce and you're having it appropriately, you know, like two tablespoons or whatever the, the portion is, you're, you're portioning it out. Um, but I would say the big thing with sauces, spices, salsas would be just the sugar content. If you are being really, you know, health conscious would be to have like no sugar or lower sugar options. Okay, let's say now we're looking for a good protein bar. What's something that Mm -hmm. you look on the back of the label and you're like, okay, this is good or like this isn't as good? Protein bars are tough because there's so many out there. It's like so overwhelming um, for people, which I totally get. So good rules of thumb for protein bar would be at least 10 grams of protein. Um, It's not a protein bar if it's not that much. Um, There's a lot out there that are 20, 30, honestly, 20, maybe not 30, but 20, 25. Um, so I'd look for the protein content, but just be mindful of like the higher the protein typically, um, and very low sugar, it's probably going to be a lot of artificial sweeteners. So if you have a lot of artificial sweeteners in a protein bar, it can cause GI upset. So if you think of like a quest bar, those can really cause a lot of bloating and gas for people. Some people tolerate them just fine. So it depends on the person, but a lot of the very low sugar, um, if they have a lot of sugar alcohols, that's going to be the artificial sweeteners, which is going to cause, um, could cause some GI upset. So like one bars, I really enjoy one bars. They don't cause issues for me, but some people, they have problems with that. Um, and then I would say looking for fiber content, which would be great to have added fiber in a bar. So I would say like three grams of fiber would be good. Um, my go-to bar, which like continues to be my favorite is RX bars, but my fiance is like, doesn't like them at all. So I don't know why I have like this obsession with them, but I do. Um, They're very low ingredients. They have fiber. They have 12 grams of protein. Um, No, I'm not sponsored by them. I just really enjoy them. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe someday. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, I hope. So you mentioned with the protein bars, you mentioned the sugar alcohols is, is that is what may cause the GI upset. Um, What Mm -hmm. is like an example, because it's not going to say sugar alcohols on the label, right? So then what would be like the word or the phrase that we would look out for? Yeah, it could be um, like aspartame. It could be sucralose. 
Um, those are big ones, but it'll say on the label if it does contain artificial sweeteners, which will be in the sugar alcohols category on the label. Now, mm -hmm. I love me my bugles. I love bugles. So what is a good like <laughs> crunchy, salty snack and like something that you could look for on the label that you're like, oh, this is good or like something like bad now with crunchy, salty yeah. snacks? So I would say the big thing is low sugar or no sugar in the cracker or the crunchy item. And then I always recommend like trying to look for something that you're going to get what I call the best bang for your buck, not price wise, meaning like food wise. So if you look at like goldfish, for example, the serving size for goldfish is like, I think you get like 40 something goldfish in a serving. So you're having like a big volume of food for um, like a serving as opposed to like um, maybe like bigger crackers where maybe it's like two crackers that you're having for a serving. And so it's like, do you want to be able to like eat more and enjoy more for like the same amount as like two bigger crackers? So that's one thing that I look for. Um, and then if it says whole grain on there, like if it's a whole grain product, that's an added benefit. It's going to give you more fiber. Um, fiber is going to keep you full longer. It's going to help just support your gut as well. You know, three grams of fiber in the crunchy product is great. Speaking of health goals, one thing that I found has made it a little bit trickier, and I know this is pretty common, is moving in with significant others. Because it's kind of like I was doing fine and dandy on mm -hmm. my own, eating my <laughs> healthy foods, and then he comes along <coughs> with all of his snacks, and it just makes it so hard for me to keep on track, and I get frustrated because it's like I always end up like partaking in it because it's almost like a social thing. And then I end up being mad at myself after because, like, I didn't adhere to my goals. So what recommendations mm -hmm. do you have for people like that? I think it's going back to not being in that all-or-nothing mentality, not being too strict with your food choices or in your food rules, and I think allowing a little bit of wiggle room to where you are flexible in your eating and not being so rigid. Um, but with that said, I think there's a lot of opportunity where like maybe you and your significant other have like totally different, different goals and you want to eat different things, but there might be a common denominator. Like maybe he wants fried chicken, rice and potato. I don't know. I'm just making this up and you want a vegetable and you still want the rice and maybe you want grilled chicken. So the common denominator is the rice. You guys can both enjoy the rice, but then kind of making your meal um, set to your goals and your lifestyle. But I think just remembering like, you know, to have that flexibility and not not feeling guilt and shame around food because it's it's not like one meal is going to make or break your progress. So I think just keeping that in mind and really continuing to ask yourself like, okay, is this food that I really want to enjoy right now? And if it is, then go ahead and enjoy it without guilt because then, you know, that next meal or, or the next day, it can just be a little bit more balanced and you can incorporate more of like the nutritious foods as opposed to like, you know, those fun foods. I feel like it can also be tough if like maybe you're in a social group or with like family over the holidays, there's there definitely diff difficult conversations to have there if you feel like you've been used to eating one way your whole life and then now you have like goals that you want to adhere to. How would you kind of help a client broach that situation if maybe like their family isn't on the same page? I always use the example of like you're at your grandmother's house and she wants to serve you like 10, you know, pieces of pie. Um, I think just being polite, but also stern where it's like, no, thank you. Like I've reached my fullness. I'm full. Um, thank you so much, but I'm not going to have any more. Like just really, you know, blatantly saying it, saying it or being like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm full from dinner. That dessert sounds so good. Maybe, you know, would it be okay if I took a couple slices home or I had a slice that I could take home or something like that. Um, and just, you know, you don't have to like shout it from the rooftops, rooftops that you're trying to lose weight or anything or trying to, you know, reach your goals. But I think there, you know, there's definitely opportunity where like, you don't, you don't have to explain yourself. Like if you really don't want the thing, you don't want the thing. Um, you know, and I think there's opportunity where like, maybe fries really do sound good. Maybe you're splitting fries with your friends, but you're getting like your own side salad and you're enjoying that. And then you know, picking, you know, the fries with your friends. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to incorporate those fun foods in your diet if you're out socially with your friends. And I always recommend making sure you have some type of color on your plate when you're out, when you're dining out. So 
um, whether that's a fruit, whether that's, you know, a vegetable or both. So, you know, instead of maybe getting the fries for an appetizer, like it's the hummus and the veggies or something like that. Um, but if, you know, no one's on board with that, then maybe you're getting your own little side salad and then enjoying like some of the like funner, you know, more fun foods with your with your friends yeah it's almost like from what you're saying it almost sounds like setting boundaries and like kind of honoring mm-hmm. like your own boundaries that you want to have absolutely currently what does alexa's mm-hmm. fridge look like like some of your favorite mm. meals to make your snacks and the drinks that are in your fridge yes yeah, so so we live in japan there's a lot of sushi um there is a lot of kimchi like i talked about um, but beyond that, I have a lot of, I love, you know, I, I snack a lot throughout the day. So I just make sure that I have, you know, really good protein bars um, stocked up. I have string cheeses, I have yogurts. Um, and again, I love making those like yogurt parfaits. Um, I'm a really big on bowls. So I mean, we eat a ton of rice being in Japan as well. So rice bowls with like a good protein and um, some really great vegetables. And then obviously like the sauces, like the teriyaki sauce is like one of my go-to meals. I'm huge on sparkling water. Japan has like this incredible, like very bubbly sparkling water. So we drink, I was seeing if I had one on my desk, but I don't, Um, very good. So we drink that quite often as well. (laughs) Oh my God, wait, that is so fascinating. I never knew that Japan's sparkling water was like more sparkling than ours. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it comes from a bottle. So I don't know if like the seal is like just better or something, but I don't know. It's amazing. What are some of your favorite like Japanese snacks that we don't really have over here in the U.S.? Oh, Yeah. Gosh, um, it's overwhelming because there's so many. So Japan is known for different Kit Kats. So they have like every flavor Kit Kat you could possibly think of, like strawberry, red bean, or like lemon, like coffee. Like it's so crazy. Um, So those are really fun. Um, They also just have like a lot of great like crunchy snacks too. Um, I find that it's, you know, reading the label quite a bit because I don't, actually know um what's in it but i will say uh in japan the portion sizes are a lot more appropriate than they are in the u.s so if you're getting like mixed nuts or something they're going to be portioned way way more appropriately than like a big you know big thing of a i'm so interested to hear like what is it like working as a dietitian currently in japan and also like what really made you decide to pursue this path and how is your path to becoming a dietitian I don't really notice a difference because all my clients are are uh, remote. So I either talk on the phone, um, do a voice text app called Voxer or video. Um, so it really doesn't feel that different. Um, but the timing is a little bit a little bit different too. Um, but yeah, so what made me pursue my career is that I I grew up a dancer, so I really loved um, I love dancing, and I realized that by eating, you know, fast food after dance practice or eating like, you know, a balanced meal, my body reacted way differently. Like I was able to perform better if I was eating the the better food, the healthier foods. Um, and I was feeling my body, it was helping me recover. It just made me feel better. My energy was better. And so when I was going into undergrad, I was like, hmm, is there such thing as nutrition as a major? Could I teach people like how to do this themselves? And there was, I didn't even know what a dietitian was when I was 18, Um, but I pursued that. And then during my undergrad, I worked at the um, Wisconsin Badger Athletic Department. So I went to school at UW-Madison in Wisconsin. And then I went on to work in eating disorders and disordered eating, which was really, um, really sad, but also like really rewarding and a, a really great place to work as well. Um, and then I went on to work at the UFC. So I worked with professional athletes. Um, and then in between there, I saw like some NHL, um, NBA players, which was really, really cool. But when I, and then I started my own private practice. And then that's where I started with like more of the weight management piece, finding that balance with food, um, the disordered eating piece is key, or something that I really love working with as well. But um, I'm really big on like the psychology side of eating. And like how, um, you know, finding something that's going to work long term, I really want to teach people how to eat for life, as opposed to like, here's what you need to do to lose that 10 pounds. It's like, okay, how can you eat, you know, find how to eat for life to make it sustainable. 
um, without being miserable because I used to be there too. Um, you know, I struggled with disordered eating in, in high school and college as well. Um, and so it's just really rewarding to be able to teach others, you know, how to do that. When you were struggling with disordered eating, how did you know mm-hmm. like it was time to get help with that? I think one thing was that I went to school and I was like, okay, wow, it doesn't have to be as, as strict. Um, and I knew too, like I was, I was kind of like falling down this path of like, okay, this could turn into something that might be a little bit more extreme. Um, and so I kind of just like canceled out all the noise that was like, this is what you need to do for weight loss, or this is how to get a six pack. And I was just like, okay, what do I need to feel my body and feel my best? And with the education and, you know, the experience that I got from school and my jobs, I just kind of like eventually like crawled out of that hole and got out of that, like, you know, diet mentality to where, you know, like, you know, I can eat anything and not feel that guilt because I know, I know my body so well. I know how to fuel it. I know I'm so intuitive with it. I think that's a big thing is just like trying to, you know, learn how to to really be intuitive with your body and know that like not one food is going to like completely ruin your progress. When you were working um, specifically in like disordered eating facilities and working with patients that were struggling with this, what is something like that you learned that surprised you? I think the big thing is that so many populations, so many different, you know, gender, lifestyle, age, like so many different people struggle with it. It's not, you know, the common like misconception is that it's like females who, you know, are looking to lose weight, Um, but it's not like there's so many different, different people out there um, who struggle with it. So I think that was like something that was just really eye opening. And I think just too, like how, how difficult it is to like crawl out of that, you know, it can take, it can take years. Um, and I've had patients who, you know, have been in and out of treatment, which is, is just so sad. Um, but it's so rewarding too, when you see those people who like are on the other end and have, have gotten out of that, um, for sure. Yeah, I can imagine. And, you know, it's really inspiring hearing you talk about how you enjoy like the psychological component of it and like helping people eat for their whole life because it's kind of crazy like how much you probably impact your your clients qualities of life with that like eating is like everything it's like how we celebrate it's how we like so many big pivotal life Mm -hmm. moments are surrounded by like food and like community is built that way it's so it's like the best feeling in the world and it brings me back to like okay this is why i do what i do and people are like you've changed my life i'm like me i've changed your life but it's like so true because when like that food freedom is like having that freedom around food. And like, I always say this too, it's like, you're not going to be on your deathbed and be like, you know, that one time when I was on vacation, I'm really glad that I didn't have that piece of cake, you know, like it's, it's about enjoying, but it's also like, we do have health goals and health is so important that we don't want to, you know, also just, you know, eat like crap all the time either. Like we need to find that balance, but you know, a great way to do that is really just starting to to get in tune with our body and, you know, find that balance with food and increase and improve that relationship with food. What are some challenges that you face as a dietitian? And I also want to hear like, what made you pursue the path of becoming a dietitian versus a nutritionist? And if you could also maybe shed light for Mm -hmm. the audience too on like the differences. I'll start there. So the difference between a dietitian and nutritionist. So every dietitian is a nutritionist. Not every nutritionist is a dietitian. So if I like when, if I took a course on nutrition, I could be a nutritionist. Um, Anybody can call themselves a nutritionist. I mean, the guy walking on the street who has no idea about nutrition could call himself a nutritionist. There's no rules around that. To be a, a registered dietitian, um, you have to have an undergraduate degree, four-year um, degree, and then by 2025, you also have to have a master's to be a dietitian as well. Um, we have 1,200 hours of supervised practice internship that we have to complete before we take our RD exam, which is a hefty um, exam that we have to pass to become a dietitian as well. Um, so it's a lot, a lot, a lot to, to get to the point where we're at. Um, and I think a lot of a lot of the frustration that we see as dietitians a lot of time is that there's a lot of people out there, you know, who maybe lost a bunch of weight and are trying to teach others how to do it, even though they don't have the experience and the credentials to to do that. And I think a lot of times we're like 
picking up the pieces in a sense where, you know, they might have worked with somebody who calls himself a nutritionist, but isn't qualified to do it. And then we're kind of like picking up the, the pieces with like, you know, maybe that extensive poor relationship with food or just, um, you know, maybe a shot metabolism that they were following some plan that they gave them. So not to say that every dietitian or that every nutritionist is bad or anything like that. I know some great people who do nutrition and are, are excellent at what they do. Um, so I think a big thing for, for people out there is just making sure that you're, you know, seeing like the credentials, making sure there is something there, there's some type of program or something that somebody has done. Um, and I think that's like the big one. And then just making sure that they're not like just handing you a meal plan being like, here you go. Like they're working through it. They're providing that support. Um, and somebody who you feel like you can trust and go to when things like aren't going well, cause it is a journey. There's going to be ups and downs in anybody's health journey. So making sure that you can trust that person and feel like you can go to them, I think is key as well. That is so fascinating. I feel like for anyone out there listening that didn't know the distinction about how like every dietitian is a nutritionist, but not every nutritionist is a dietitian. I actually totally didn't know that. So no shame for anyone else that also didn't know that. But that's why I'm so glad to have like guests like you on because I feel like that's something where like, so for example, um, when I was in the field of pharmacy, I was used to having a nutritionist on hand to help with um, like they were part of the team when we would make like TPNs and stuff like that. But we yeah. didn't like get that much exposure necessarily to like the distinction and to dietitians and all that. So that is super cool to hear. Yeah. One last thing too. Could I ask you, I have like a segment where I ask my audience questions that they have and they actually submitted some really good questions. Absolutely. Okay, so for this first question, this was actually a question that I thought was amazing and so good, but my phone actually died like right before I was going to ask it, so I wasn't able to ask her, but I did ask her after the recorded interview. So this is Alexa's answer for this incredible question. What are some really healthy filling quick meals or snacks to have without dairy or nuts? I feel like this is huge because a lot of people can't have dairy or nuts, and then also in the workplace, sometimes you can't have um, like nuts and things like that. So she said... I'd say for meals, a good carb source as the base, whether that is rice, farro, or quinoa, and then added a good protein. Good fats that will keep you full, like oils, avocado. And she also said veggies and salads are great, but will typically not be as filling. And then last but not least, Alexa said snacks. For um, for snacks, protein bars, hummus, and pita or crackers, hard-boiled eggs with fruit, fruit with a nut-free butter, like sunflower butter, are also awesome options for nut-free and dairy-free snacks and meals. So yeah, there you have it. Awesome question. Okay, so I know one of the questions was, what are some good air fryer recipes? Oh, I love my air fryer. The air fryer is the best product out there. <laughs> I absolutely love skinnytaste.com. Um, her name is Gina. She's a food blogger. She has awesome uh, air fryer recipes out there. But I would say the best thing to make in the air fryer would be I don't have recipes off the top of my head, but would be like potatoes. Potatoes can get really, really crisp and amazing in there. Um, salmon is also excellent. You can actually even um, cook eggs in there. You can do hard boiled eggs, which is awesome. Um, but I would say skinnytaste.com or fitfoodiefinds.com are two of like my go-to gals for any type of air fryer or any type of like healthful recipes in general, I would go with those too. It really saves me on protein because usually I meal prep like a veggie and a carb on hand, but protein is where mm -hmm. I always like fall behind somehow. I don't know how. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's so quick to heat up and it's so easy to cook in there. So yeah, air fryer is, is the best. If you guys don't have an air fryer, highly recommend getting one. And what about another question was how to really get yourself to cook when we're just so tired at the end of the day and like our schedules are so long. Like, do you have a helpful way to maybe mm -hmm. schedule like meal prepping on certain days or like a way to structure it? Yeah. So a good rule of thumb is to at least the day before know what you're going to be having for all your meals and snacks the next day, um, at least the day before. So if you can know like five days ahead, that's excellent. But so anything that you need to prep for that next day should be done as soon as you uh, on your off day or when you have that time. So when you get home from work, maybe you already have rice that's already cooked and then maybe you're doing a side salad, which could be easy. You just throw it you know, together. It's raw veggies. And then you have like um, like a, a chicken breast that's already made or you're just you know even throwing that in the air fryer or something that's going to be super quick. Um, 
it really shouldn't take you if you're, you know, prepping appropriately and, and planning ahead more than 10 minutes to make a meal when you get home. Um, so that would be my recommendation. At least have know what you're making the day before and have whatever you can prepped. Like if you need to chop your veggies, so you don't have to do that the night you get off work um, or have your proteins and, and um, carbs already cooked. Other really easy ways is just having like the, the microwavable rice. Trader Joe's has the best frozen brown rice known to man. I swear to God, so good. <laughs> um, so you could you could just use that. Um, be super quick. It comes out perfect every time. Um, you can also do like frozen chicken. So they have like frozen grilled chicken that you could just that's already cooked that you could easily make as well. Um, but again, like just knowing what you're making the day before, so it's not like oh you get home and you have to like prep this you know crazy meal now. This kind of reminds me of um, when we were discussing earlier how, like, one way to prevent, like, overeating once we get home from a busy day is to keep snacks in the car. What are some specific examples Mm -hmm. of your favorite snacks to keep that will keep in the car? Yeah. um, I said protein bars. I think those are excellent. Um, Any type of, like, whole fruits. So, um, like, apples, oranges. Oh, um, applesauce packets. Like, those, um, like, little applesauce packets could be really good. Um, crackers could be good. And then I think you could always like have a, like now it's getting warm out, but you could always have like a cooler that, you know, that you bring inside. And then that's like, has like cheeses and yogurts and things like that, that could be easy, you know, on the go. And so I know people were asking me about like caffeine options. I know we discussed that, you know, like when going the caffeine route, you want to look so that it's low sugar, um, and things like that. Personally, like, what would you reach for when you need caffeine? Um, usually tea. I think one thing to keep in mind, and I would ask if you are like having that two o'clock crash, I would ask yourself, did I drink enough water? Because a lot of times that crash could be due to the fact that we're just not hydrated. So trying to drink more water would be key instead of reaching for the caffeine. Um, But I would say tea is probably my go-to because tea is going to be a little bit more hydrating too. Like it's going to help with the hydration piece as well. When you're craving sweets Mm -hmm. and salty foods, what is it that my body really wants? Because I know like maybe it might be getting something confused. You could be thirsty. You could be dehydrated. So sometimes some of those cravings can come because we're not drinking enough water. Some of those cravings can also come like especially the sweet cravings if we're not eating enough carbs throughout the day. So if you're somebody who like, you know, doesn't eat, you know, have, you know, salads for lunch, like, you know, eggs and avocado for breakfast and just you're not getting getting the carbs and you have those sweet cravings later on, I would definitely try to have some carbs at your meals or at your snacks to see if that offsets. Um, but sometimes we are just craving foods because we're human and it tastes good and it releases, you know, these signals in our brain that makes us want more and more of them. So I think a good rule of thumb could be to, you know, if you want the Oreos in the cabinet, take, you know, a few Oreos and then maybe combine it with something that's a little bit more nutritious, like an apple. Um, I find that if people are just eating the Oreos, like they're still wanting more and more and more. But if you combine it with something that's like a little bit higher fiber, still sweet, but a little bit more nutritious, you might find that that satisfies it. Um, My um, dietitian friend has came up with this acronym that I'll share with you. And I think it's, it can be really helpful for people. So it's called PAUSE, P-A-U-S-E. So I'll go through it. it. stands for pay attention, assess how you feel, understand why you feel that way, set up a plan and execute that plan. So I'll give you an example. Like I get home from work, I'm, I go get the Oreos and I'm eating the Oreos out of the container, you know, like sitting in the kitchen. Um, And then I'm like kind of mindlessly doing it. So I think pause, pause, and I pay attention. I assess how I feel. I'm super stressed right now. Um, Understand why I feel that way. I am super stressed because I had a really hard patient like right at the end of the day. Set up a plan. Okay, I'm going to have one more Oreo. I'm going to close the container, put it away, and I'm going to go for a 10-minute walk. And then E is execute that plan. So that's when you take the initiative and go do the thing that you told yourself you're going to do. So that can really help in moments when you're like super, um, you know, just kind of standing there mindlessly eating. It's like, okay, I need to pause for a second. Like I'm, I'm not in tune with my body right now. 
Oh, I love that. Especially as like a high achieving person. I'm like, I love having a plan in place and an acronym to follow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So my last question is um, getting in water. It sounds like water is like a really tricky thing for us, especially because like mm -hmm. a lot of times my schedule is like running from patient to patient and like we can't bring, we're not allowed to bring water into certain rooms. What right. advice do you have for like situations like that? So I think the best advice I have is before you uh, immediately when you wake up, you have water next to your bed and you're chugging, you're chugging away because um, we wake up dehydrated. So if we're not drinking water and we start our morning with coffee, we're like extra dehydrated. So making sure first things first, before coffee, you're having like a glass of water at least, and then trying to get, you know, as much as you can in before you go to work. And then just having a water bottle that's like, you know, in an approved area that's easily accessible, that's like right there, filled, ready to go when you have, you know, a chance to take a few swigs. Um, so that's probably my biggest recommendation would kind of like front load your water if you know that you don't have a lot of time throughout the day. Awesome. Oh my gosh. Well, thank mm -hmm. you so much. That was all my questions, but you were such a huge help and I'm so excited for everyone to hear all of this. So let everyone know where they Yay. can find you on social media or email or all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my social media is at Alexa Eisenberg RD. Um, TikTok and Instagram are my biggest ones. And then I also have a Facebook group. It's a private Facebook group, Nutrition for Healthcare Professionals that is available as well um, that you can join, anybody can join. And I have like tips, tricks, um, I go live in there, we have challenges, we do all sorts of fun stuff. And then email is alexa at askalexanutrition.com. Awesome, well thank you so much for your time, Alexa, and thank you so much for everyone for listening. Thank you so much, it was great. If you guys enjoyed what you heard, please leave a rating and review, and I will see you guys next week.